You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are going to start with our grateful moment. Evan, what are you grateful for this week? What's up, everybody? Um, I'm grateful. My wife got a new job this week, so I'm thankful uh, that you know she she was able to get a new a new job closer to the home and pays pays better. I love yeah. that. Um, can I borrow five dollars? I mean, <laughs> at this point, getting new jobs. But congratulations to her. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, Kelvin, what are you grateful for this week? What's going on, everybody? Um, I am grateful that I started my resolution and I'm continuing on there. I'm starting to work out. I got some good workouts in this week. You know, I got, I, I don't want to tell nobody, but you know, I guess I'm telling everybody I got a trainer. So, nice. <laughs> so now, so now as I'm being held accountable to make sure I get my work in. So I'm thankful because I've been, give, been able to keep it up. Nice. Nice. That's good to hear. Phil, what are you grateful for? Hey, good day, everyone, and good evening. Um, I'm thankful for another week, um, healthy week, uh, family doing well, and um, I've been, I've been for the past four, five since August, I've been consistently going to uh, an outdoor workout, and I wanted to drop out, but I'm still doing it, so I'm happy that I'm doing that. So that's working out well. Nice. And my grateful moment is a hearing Kelvin and Phil talk about these workouts and their consistency, because now I am motivated to get my life together. I started January strong. I was eating good. And then I don't know what happened a few days ago. I I just started eating everything in my house. So um, my grateful moment is to have brothers like these that can kind of motivate you (laughs) to take it to the next level. I really appreciate that. Let's jump right into our show. Today, we are going to be talking about basketball. And the only thing you need to keep in mind as we go through this show is James the Beard Harden. Y'all were all there this week. The blockbuster trade that came out of seemingly nowhere for, I guess, people that don't follow basketball. Um, but the beard is in Brooklyn. He's in Brooklyn with KD. Um, he's in Brooklyn with FaceTime Kyrie. Cause we don't really know where Kyrie is right now. So, I mean, yeah, whatever. And so I just want to go through like the actual terms of the trade. And we're going to talk about who won the trade. Did Houston win? Did the Cavs win? Did the Pacers win? Did Brooklyn win? Um, And was this a boss move for Brooklyn? So we're going to get into that. So the Nets received in this trade, obviously, James Harden um, from the Rockets and a 2024 second round pick from the Cavs. They traded Jared Allen, Prince, um, Karis LeVert. And I want to stop here. Say your prayers for Karis LeVert. They found a mask on his kidney. Um, He is out indefinitely right now. They're doing more testing to see what that is, but we really want to keep him in our prayers. He is one of my favorite players and he's a really, really good guy. So it 
really kind of broke my heart to hear that yesterday. Um, so um, the Nets also traded three first round picks in 2022, 24 and 26, four first round pick swaps in 2021, 23, 25, 27 to the Rockets. The Rockets received um, LaVert, Keurig's three um, first round picks. Cavs received Jared Allen, Prince, and Alexander Vizenkov. I mean, I don't, I don't really know who this guy is. Um, and then the Cavs traded Exum and a 2022 first round pick um, to Houston and a 2024 second round pick to Brooklyn. So that's basically what the trade is. Guys, how do you feel about this? Who won this trade? Who's going to come out ultimately in the long term victorious due to this trade? And what are your thoughts on the Beard in Brooklyn? I don't think it's a question who won the trade. Brooklyn won the trade. I mean, you have, I mean, they got draft picks, right? But let's be honest, these are late round draft picks. Houston didn't win anything. I, I don't understand what Houston was looking really to get. I mean, now they have Victor Oladipo on their roster. Um, and a bunch of first round picks. And let's be honest, late first round picks rarely materialize into something that is going to transform your franchise. And so I don't see, the Rockets don't have a superstar and they didn't help themselves by, you know, it's good to have these late first round picks if you have a superstar to build around with these late first round picks. So Houston uh, made a decision and, and what I'm hearing, and what, well, like I have sources, what I read on Twitter from uh, Keith Pompey uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer is that the Sixers thought they had the deal in place for Harden. But it seems as if the bad blood between the GM for the Sixers and the owner for Houston wouldn't let them get this deal done. In the long run, Houston shot themselves in the foot. So shout outs to their owner and to the Houston Rockets for perpetu perpetuity of failure. Well, Evan, I think you brought up some really solid points, and I, I actually agree with you, but how would you address people saying that Brooklyn traded away their whole future in this deal? As Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Let's say Kyrie, Harden, and KD don't work in the long run. We all know the odd man out is going to be Kyrie. You could still have the uh, ability to move Kyrie for assets and a players that fit better. Harden and KD together are dynamic finals duo in the East. I'd even say they're a dynamic finals duo in the West. So Brooklyn still has optionality and they can still move Kyrie if he starts burning sage in the locker room and getting confused about where he is and what he's supposed to be doing. Valid point. See, I was waiting for the guru to talk, but let me jump in. Everybody won except for Cleveland. All right. One, Houston had no picks. They were deprived. They had nothing. They had nothing at all. They, you're never going to get, uh, when you generate your talent, when you trade a generation of talent, you're never going to get equal value. So that's off the board. Houston won, and they have a pretty good team. Think about it. They have John Wall, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousin, P.J. Tucker, um, Daniel House, which I don't trust in the bubble. Um, Eric Gordon, right? And they added Daniel Exum. They added um, 
they added uh, Old Depot and draft picks, picks they didn't have because of uh, P, um, because of Paul George trade. They won. The, of course, uh, the Pacers won. They wanted to get rid of Old Depot because the, um, Old Depot didn't want to be there. Rumor was him talking to other players. Can I play with you? Can I play with you? They got that off the book, and they got a great player, Levert. Carl Levert, he is a great player. I think he's going to be a superstar. He is really good. And, of course, the Nets won because they were able to um, get the man they wanted and secure an NBA final appearance. The only reason the Cavs lost is that they're not going anywhere. They look better this year, but they, that's a, any, anything that happened in Cleveland would be nice. So everyone won in this situation. Given being, you'll never get equal value for a generational star, an MVP. So I think everyone won, and uh, everybody was able to get to the place where they wanted to. As for trading for the future, listen, you don't worry about tomorrow. You worry about today and now. They did the same thing the Boston Celtics done, the Nets. They want to win now. They want to keep KD. Remember, KD's um, contract expires, I believe, next year. Or that'll be year three. So they want to make sure he resigns and keep him. So what you have to do? Do whatever he asks for to keep a KD. KD, to me, is the second best player right now in the NBA. Man. <laughs> so that's my thought. Player, but okay. <laughs> Yo, so since we in Brooklyn, we in New York, I got to take it back to the mad rapper, man. Tell him why you mad, son. And I'm mad because, simply because we lost, Philly. And uh, everybody else won in this trade. Like Phil was saying, I agree. But I'm mad, son, because we should have won that trade. We should have had Harden on our team because we're not going to win nothing without a score. But with that being said, um, I think the Houston, you know, they got the draft capital back that they needed. They didn't have nothing but a catastrophe at their hand. Um, so so they definitely needed to do something, getting James out and being able to load up with those uh, draft picks. That was a good look for the organization. And then when you think about the Nets, you got to understand that it's a very short window. The Nets have gambled like this before. It bit them in the behind um, when they did, I think it was like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. They, they kind of mortgaged the future off uh, because they thought they could win now. Well, these are not those Nets. These are not old, old Kevin Garnett or old Paul Pierce or old whoever they brought in. This is the real deal. These boys loaded up. So, you know, shout out to, to y'all new team, man. Shout out to the bandwagon team that you guys picked up, man. Shout out to them, man. You know, you guys picked the real Hater. good team right now. So I think regardless, you know, on, on paper, y'all can be happy right now. Y'all got something to cheer for, you know, unlike, unlike us. You know what I'm saying? We got the... We got Philly depleting, don't make no moves. We got the Eagles trying to find a coach. It's tough for us out here in Philly right now. So shout out to New York, man. Good stuff. Say it again. Well, shout I, out I, to I, I have an question for you. I have an honest question for you. It's an honest question. Give me your first. Will you, if, if Brooklyn wins the championship, would you feel the same joy had it been the Knicks winning the championship? Who are you asking? Uh, yeah, Dion, go who ahead, are you answer. asking me? Uh, or? Phil and Dion, both of you. I mean, yeah, you're excited, but is it the same type of joy? First of all, I am a Brooklyn native. Like, this is my home. And um, even though I now live in the South, I am the biggest Brooklyn girl you would ever meet. So this would probably spark a level of joy that not even the Knicks could embody. Like, and that's word to everything I love. Everything Brooklyn is me. 
So the Brooklyn Nets are responsible for gentrification in Brooklyn. Just saying. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not mad at it. Like, I mean, whatever. Hey, unlike any place else, that area, they got most of the residents and got paid off and taken care of. So it's not like, you know, gentrification, buy the house and kick them out. So I actually worked <laughs> down the block from there and know the ins and outs. So it wasn't like the, you know, general gentrification occur. Me, it's 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 like the girl you had a crush on all these years, and she says, and she you waiting for her to say she like you. She give you all the signs, but she doesn't. And then another girl comes in around and actually says, you know what? I love you. I want to be with you. So I you like to, that analogy. You have to accept the one that loves you, and not the one who keep winking at you and give you all these fake plays and like you know what. Yeah, but she never says she like you. She just plays your heart with your heart. And that's what the Knicks have done for 40 years. Yeah. You know what? The one who said, I love you, is the one I'm going to be with. Okay? So, so you're settling then. You're settling. You're settling with I'm the one. I'm not settling. <laughs> you're settling with the one that loves you. I got it. I got to feel. I'm not settling. Listen, Phil, I'm not next to Cowboys. I'm not going to be abused for all these years and remain in an abusive relationship. You crazy. It's time to rejoice. It's time to think. New York is New York. If the Brooklyn... Where Dion knows we walk down that streets. We used to play church games down the block from where the Barclays Center. If they win a championship, it is rejoicing. It is nostalgia. It's everything we need because New York deserve it. Let me tell y'all something. If Brooklyn win, I hope my job does not see me on the cameras because I'm going to be acting a whole fool in Brooklyn. Okay? Downtown Brooklyn, like... Lord have mercy. So, I mean, I love this trade. I mean, you guys shared all the sentiments that I would share. Um, James Harden had his first game last night. And, you know, as a debut, um, not only did he come in at 50 pounds lighter, shout out to the South Beach diet. Um, he came in scoring 32 points, had 12 rebounds and 14 assists, like a 30 point triple double on his first showing you know, the perfect Robin to KD, KD, who had 42 points on 61% shooting, okay? Like, it's not just about the points. People accumulate points, right? 61% shooting. Tell me when was the last time your king had numbers like that in, in any game? What does this have to do with? I'm, I'm, with, I'm just with, saying it's in general. from the Katie complex, the Katie like, complex. Like my my thing is, our listeners need to understand the level of talent we are dealing with in Brooklyn, and <laughs> y'all need to put some respect on Kevin Durant's name. Okay, stop did, putting people before him. How did we should call him. him a sidekick though? Like, how did he just all become Robin? Like, I thought this was like the Avengers. Like, they're all playing <laughs> field. But you just made this guy Robin? Like, he had a triple-double last night, and he becomes Robin? Like, a, a high triple-double, not a low triple-double. He had 30. Nah, he, look, he, he's great. But if we had to break down who's one, two, and three on the team, I mean, no one is – I'm not putting anyone before KD. And most people wouldn't. Yeah, he never, never – KD never win nothing without Harden. I mean, without a super team. So – to me, Harden never made it out of the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I mean, who did he have? He made it with KD was on his team. He had Harden had an opportunity and he choked. I'm just saying, he Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant hasn't won anything without a super team. Neither has James Harden. 
So what are we saying? They both got MVP. Wait a minute. There's a difference. A number of playoff series in the West before he joined the super, the super, the super serum warriors. Say it again, F. Yeah. KD choked a lot of play. KD was up three one. Y'all like to bring up three one. KD was up three one against those same Warriors, same way Harden was. Yeah. How, how quick we forget. How quick. And then he, and then KD did the most most coward move and joined the super team. I mean, true, true. Facts. That's all facts. And then KD went to the finals and the king couldn't guard him. So I mean, it really don't matter. Look, look, we could spend this however y'all want to spend it. I could go there with y'all. <laughs> but any, anyway, let's let's move on because y'all not gonna be trying to play my boy on this podcast, all right? All, all right. I'm saying is KD star is slightly below the king because the king has more finals appearances on super teams and KD has yet to win a championship without a super team. Now nah, you, you're right. Shout out to the King four and six in the finals. Let's move on. Should the NBA consider postponing um, the season with the number of players that have been in and out due to con- contact tracing? And do you think COVID is going to have a detrimental effect on us seeing the full 72 game season this year? As of now, we have about 15 postponed games from starting December of last year to January 18th, which is the last one was Cleveland and the Wizards. I think they might have added one more too, but I don't think they're going to go through the full 72. COVID is, it is what is a beast. And unless everyone really take precautions because some of the rules they have set up uh, prior to all these infections and postponement where people were allowed to go out and hang out. You literally have to live like a bubble within your own city. Now they have to tell players not allowed to participate in any family, family gatherings and keep a limitation going out. Only thing you should be doing is going to get groceries and coming back. Nobody's allowed to leave the hotel room when they travel. So unless, you know, these young men decide to really take it serious, I don't think we're going to, we're going to have much more postponement games and we're going to end up probably have a 50 games, um, 50 game uh, year, 50 games this year. Well, I think, I, I think they'll have a season. I think they're going to make some adjustments, right? Let, let's be honest. So um, the NBA only released half the schedule, which I think was a very smart move in their end. I wouldn't be surprised if the last 30 games take place in the bubble uh, because George Hill said, I'm a grown man. You can't tell me nothing. Yeah, so... Um... And, and, and I kind of agree with you. So going back to the question, like, do we think um, players being out for COVID exposure, um, for contact tracing, whether or not we feel this would have an impact on the rest of the season? Calvin, what do you think about that? Like, do you think we're good? We're going to see our 72 games and move on to the playoffs? Or do you think um, this may change the scheduling this season? I think we're going to be good <clears throat> because I think that um, I think it's going to be a high priority to get everybody in the league vaccinated. Number one, I also think that they are going to expand the rosters. Um, I think they're going to utilize the G League talent that they had before, and they're going to try to make sure that they always have. I think which is the minimum about eight players on a roster. So I feel like just anytime you got like a big product like this, the NBA, they're going to try to make sure the engine keeps moving. So I think we're going to be good because they're going to make sure that we're good. Now, is the product of basketball going to be good? Now, that's a different question. 
I say no to that. The product is not going to be good. Therefore, the standings and the seating is going to be a little shifted and skewed. You might not find the best, the best teams actually in the top four, which makes the playoffs, if you get further down the line, it's going to make it very interesting because sometimes you're going to have what's what's or maybe uh, end up as a seven or eight seed because of circumstance um, may actually supposed to be a third or fourth seed. So now you actually got two people that are not supposed to see each other playing in the first round. So it's going, it's going to make for some good basketball in the end. But I think they're going to find a way to make adjustments to make sure they continue with the product. And, and, and I think I heard something, too, when the season started, they were going to start allowing fans at some point. I don't know where they are in that conversation, but maybe that's not a reality this season, at least not so far. I don't really see them opening any of the um, arenas to have fans in there. So we should see. It's definitely going to be interesting. Like, I definitely want to see a full season. Of course, you know, the playoffs, I want to see everything the way it should be. But with COVID, everything is just so unpredictable right now. I do think they'll let fans in because the vaccine is going to be coming out closer and closer. Um, I know, you know, initially, you know, every, every black person started thinking about, you know, the Tuskegee experiment, but mm-hmm. y'all cousins out here not caring a thing about their lives. So it's either take the vaccine or be killed by some reckless person who went out to party the night before come to your house. Don't even tell you. Yeah. Now, do we know if the NBA is making that vaccine mandatory for like players? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I feel like they will. I honestly yeah. do feel like they will. Yeah, yeah, true. The fans do matter, though. You made a good point, Deion, because my guys lost yesterday. We're going to get to this later because of the fans in, in Buffalo. You know, Phil, I see you looking at me, but that's, that, the fans had a lot to do with that game, Deion, so make sure we get on that NFL topic. Y'all oh, definitely. Stay tuned for that. We coming for that one. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. The the fans do make a difference. I'm not even going to sit here and, and um, you know, try to argue. But yes, yeah, stay tuned. We will be talking about um, that in our NFL episode. So let's transition. Um, Jackie McMillan's, um, I believe she's like a commentator on The Ringer. But um, what came up this week is that she had a previous conversation with Kyrie Irving where she made the statement Um, that athletes, NBA players, are mere property. Um, They're not really viewed as persons, but they're just property that's there to benefit the organization. Kyrie was very much offended by that statement, which we can understand a Black man um, hearing that he's property, um, it brings back a lot of trauma, right, from what we as a people have dealt with. And so I think the deeper question for us is not really whether or not we're offended by her statement. I think, is there any truth or validity to the statement in how the NBA operates? Are these players in some senses just property um, that's there to benefit the organization or do they have a much more and deeper impact um, in the league? The thing about, <clears throat> the thing about Jackie McMillan is She's well respected um, and like almost a gatekeeper uh, in a sense for uh, women in sports. She's done a lot of things and she has a lot of relationships with uh, NBA players, especially throughout the years. So she's well respected. So for everything I know about her from player standpoint and from a um, from 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 following a little bit about her, 
uh, I don't really think she meant um, to, to, to be disrespectful in what, she, in what she said. So what I say is I kind of understand 100% where she was coming from because whether you like it or not, like you, you got an owner, <laughs> like you, the teams own you because you work for them. So if you want to look at his property, that's just a bad way to look at it. But, you know, in a certain way, you, you, you do, you do, they have the rights to you as a player. Um, so I don't feel like she was trying to be disrespectful um, because she really has relationships with all these players and, and hearing her talk for years and years, she, you know, I feel like she covered Boston a lot and a lot of teams, but like hearing her cover, cover teams for years, I really feel like she, her head is always in the right place. And she's always kind of for us, for us, like the black athlete. But I think she was kind of like making a point and Kyrie kind of took it like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, I want to change the narrative on how we're viewed as athletes. Um, but, you know, as far as saying like you guys are treated like property, I feel like it's a true statement. Okay. Fair I'm going to agree with that. I think Jackie was based upon the relationship she had, the mindsets of a lot of these owners. And, and, and she's probably most likely conveying that thought that to them, that's what you are. Instead of a partnership and most successful organizations don't view their players as property, but a partnership. Right. And, because of that, they're much more successful. They're able to bring people in and so forth. So I just think she conveys what most of these owners think about these players. These players who bring them millions um, as a piece of property. And no other sport shows that more than in the NFL. But we'll talk about that another day. But, so, but if you view these players as property, you can't get mad when they do, do the things that we um they do like Kyrie when they don't want to show up they want so forth you can't get mad is it disrespectful to the game it is but if you're going to treat someone like property or think they are property then you're going to get what you 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 deserve in return or the actions so i think so i think this is such a, a layered and heavy conversation because we really could do a whole episode just on this segment because you got to look at the history of the athlete in sports, right? There wasn't free agency always in sports. It really was more like we pay you, but you're like a slave. You have no rights. We tell you what to do. We tell you where you go. We cut you, whatever. But most definitely there are remnants of that thinking still within the owner's mindset because players, and and let me tell you who was a major uh, individual who viewed who view or at least treated athletes like commodities. Sam Hinkie. I mean, he would sign bums. He would give them these really terrible contracts because it was more about the team than about the player. Um, and so when you're no longer good to the organization, when you when your value is not greater than the problem you are, you're treated as property. They'll cut you. They, you know, once once they you give your body to the organization, you can't do anymore. They have no problem cutting their ties with you, because you're only as good to the institution to the team as you are capable of performing. But to add a layer to that, not only do organizations view players as property, but fans treat players like property. There's no reason James Harden's jersey should have been burned or LeBron's James jerseys have been burned. Mm -hmm. um, 
Giannis didn't stay with Milwaukee because of the money. He said, point blank, you know, I didn't want to deal with the backlash. Right. And so, and so with athletes, there's this level of we view you as property. So in Philly, Kelvin can talk about this. The, the fan base is hardened Tobias Harris. Because he has this, he's oh, he's better paid than Joel Embiid, but he doesn't produce at that same level. But here's my thing. Why are we not getting more upset with the GMs or the coaches or the owners for the decisions they're making on a team? Because we, even if you look at James Harden's situation, James Harden left because he didn't feel as if the organization put a quality roster around him and that they didn't hear him uh, when he told them, this is what I want. And so in the, so players are seen as property. We get mad at them for leaving. But how often do we hold the Dan Gilberts of the world accountable or the owners of the world accountable? So it's important that I think in this conversation about property that we recognize that fans are guilty of it and we need to hold owners, GMs, organizations as much as accountable as we hold players accountable for the lack of production on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. I, I guess what would put a bad taste in my mouth is I don't know if she's, if she would have this conversation with a white athlete though, like just, just the whole context of this just, just seemed so off to me and I can understand why Kyrie was maybe offended by the way it was presented like it I mean and it was just like matter-of-factly said um you know as far as whether athletes are property or whatever I think if you generally work for any organization on some level and I'm not just talking about the NBA I'm just as an employee I feel like they do have certain rights over you that like you have to get up and go to work. Well, not if you're Kyrie, right? Cause you could skip five days and you're still going to have a job. Right. <laughs> but outside of Kyrie, you know, it's just certain guidelines and things you have to abide by. And Evan, I do agree with you. I feel like we have these conversations or we hear these conversations, right. And no one is having the conversation with ownership. No one is having a conversation with leadership about treating these players like commodities. But I just query whether or not this conversation happens with a white athlete. And that's one thing I love about LeBron James. LeBron James made it, and I'm not a LeBron James fan, to be clear, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I love about what LeBron James has done, LeBron James took the stripes that Katie would have taken by leaving Cleveland and going to Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, he made it easier for players to opt to choose shorter contracts as opposed to long-term security. Mm -hmm. He made it easier to bet on your value. And, and, and LeBron is someone who bucked the system, right? He didn't go to, the, he didn't go to college. He, he didn't see the need to go to college. And he learned the game and played the game. And he saw that, he understood that these people view me as property. He understood that these people view me but he said, I'm going to use my own agency mm -hmm. to create for me what's in the best interest of me because the system's going to only split me up, chew me out. Yeah.
And 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 I do I do respect that about Braun too. Like I know I give him a hard time or whatever, but as far as his business moves, as far as marketing himself, betting on himself and making people pay for it, I appreciate that. I don't like LeBron as a sports agent, which he has been for the last five years, but nonetheless, I do respect the hustle and um, I do respect that aspect of LeBron's whole um, repertoire. Um, so very interesting question. Like Evan said, we can talk about this for a whole episode or two or three, um, you know, but just wanted to put that out in the atmosphere. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time. <laughs>